views expressed on this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station, its management, or other advertisers. You're listening to Transformation Talk Radio. Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. The following audio is via a Skype call. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Welcome to Transformation Talk Radio. This is Talk Radio to Thrive by. Wow. What a great show we have for you today. Two hours, by the way. Leaving the OCD Circus with author Kirsten Pagash joining me here today. Why? Because she is the author of an incredible book. But it's more than just about writing a book. It's about, listen, what happens when we're out in the world and we discover that there's something about the way we show up that's not exactly the way other people show up. And if you're her or she, you'll know that if you're suffering from OCD and you're going to hear what it is and what it isn't, uh, then what does that mean? Well, you get on a mission, kind of like me, you know. Uh, somebody that stuttered for most of their teen years and now uh, has been doing talk radio for 14 years. It's like you never in your wildest dreams imagine, imagine that you could have that life. Uh, before founding her own company, she worked in marketing and sales for a number of Fortune 500 com- uh, companies. Uh, she is a member of the International OCD Foundation, won first place in one of their art competitions. I love this. There's something about those of us that have been down this road and the creative side of who we are that that, that Kirsten's going to have to talk about today. Kirsten, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. Thank you so much, Dr. Pat. I really appreciate being here with you today. Well, I'm going to start off with a question that I've been asking people for 14 years, and it's real simple. You know, I gave a brief introduction of what you've accomplished. There is much more. But given all that you've done, all that you are, what are some of the challenges and obstacles that you've had to overcome to bring you to this very moment? Well, I think some of the obstacles that I have overcome are, let's consider them kind of a crimp in the hose, where the hose would be flowing if the crimp wasn't there. And one of my major crimps that really stopped my energy from flowing and stopped my creativity from growing was OCD. And it was a major clampdown. And it was quite a transformation figuring out how to undo that crimp so I could get on to my big happy life. And I'm excited to share that with your listeners today. 
Well, you know, let's talk about what that's what that looks like for a minute. Many people don't know what OCD is. Um, you know, they don't know. First of all, they they probably don't even know what the acronym means, let alone the multifaceted nature of this. Let's start out with just sharing for a little bit what OCD is and how this showed up in life for you. OCD, that acronym stands mm-hmm. for Obsessive Compulsive Disorder. And I think it's now in the common vernacular, and, and people sometimes use it in a cute way, like, oh, I like my pencil straightened, I'm so OCD, um, mm-hmm. or I prefer to do this this way, and so therefore, because I like a clean house, I'm so OCD. And OCD is not funny at all. It Mm -hmm. literally means that you have a chemical imbalance in your brain and that your brain is misfiring. So you're having obsessions, which are intrusive thoughts you cannot get rid of, that you do not wish to have. And then oftentimes people have compulsions, the way that they're trying to work through various actions to get rid of the obsessing. So it's an absolute maddening loop. Mm. What is it that happened along the way to discovering this for you? What was it? Is, you know, many folks think sometimes that, you know, there's this, there's this thing that happens in life, this big, 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 big thing. Other times, uh, it might be not such a big thing, but more like a number of slow things. How did, how was the evolution of this for you? Well, with OCD, one of the challenges is that it's very mercurial in nature, and it shows up in a variety of different ways with people, and the manifestations can be different. For instance, I'm a checker and a perfectionist. However, there's also um, people that are compulsive cleaners or washers. There's even a, a book about the boy that couldn't stop washing. And to mm-hmm. the outside world, you say, hey, that looks pretty easy. Just stop doing it. And to the person actually suffering, it's a great ordeal that's, that's not an easy thing to just turn off. And I'm hoping to have the opportunity today to share tips and techniques to get people to their freedom much faster than I got to mine. Yeah. You know, one of the things I think is so important to remember is uh, how how often OCD is misunderstood. And we get that, I think, from our movies, our pop culture. Uh, I mean, the latest movie that came out uh, here, I think, over the weekend, I can't remember, uh, with Ben Affleck. There's a scene in, in, in the trailer where they show him doing some very specific things. And it's interesting. People automatically go to, okay, that's OCD, but it may or may not be. What are some of the misunderstandings that you've come across from others out in the world? And not just the people that you might meet on the street or people you work with, but even in the medical profession. Well, I think the the first thing for the OCD sufferer to realize, which was a big relief when when I understood this, that OCD is not your fault. It's nothing Mm -hmm. that we sign up for and and something that we want to have. It's not like being a triathlon winner and you're excited to share your medals with everybody. It's a very private world, and you are quite embarrassed by all of the different routines 
and rituals that you are doing. However, it's so complex, you cannot seem to stop yourself. And one of the, the things that's important to note, too, is that oftentimes the compulsions are tied to life and death um, types of circumstances. For instance, with me being a checker of the stove, it wasn't just, hey, I should check the stove because you want to mm-hmm. leave the house and not have the stove on. For me, it was much greater than that. It was that if I left the house and I did happen to leave the stove on, I would potentially burn the house down and burn all of my family members and animals that I loved so dearly. So it takes on this almost magical attribute that you are having to do these things to virtually stop catastrophic things from happening. Yeah. Um how do you explain what is happening to friends and family? Are they more understanding? Well, in my particular situation, I had undiagnosed OCD for uh-huh. more than 20 years. And so there are people that are reading my book now that are saying, oh, my gosh, I worked with you. I had no idea that you had OCD. And it can be such a covert operation, almost like you're living a dual life. One is trying to present a normal front and fit in and do the things that need to be done. And the other is hidden, and you're completely servicing your OCD, which is a disorder. Mm. Well, we're going to take a short break here. When we come back, you know, we're going to talk more with uh, Kirsten about what does this mean, leaving the OCD circus? You know, your big ticket out of having to control every little thing. You know, this is a book that she's put together. We're going to talk more about the book itself and what is the message here today? What is it that's so important for all of us to not just know, but understand more in the way we can help ourselves and others? Let's take a short break, everyone. We'll be right back. Tune in to The Jen Royster Show, intuitive guidance to inspire your life, each Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific and 11 a.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. This amazing show is an inspirational hour that will take you on an epic metaphysical journey to discover the spiritual approach to life's greatest challenges. Dr. Jen is an internationally known intuitive counselor, spiritual teacher, and energy healer. Call in for intuitive readings and visit jenroyster.com for more information. Are you sick of feeling overworked with no motivation? Take a break from the daily grind. Life coach Nicole Eisler is here to provide a healing journey of optimism. Passionate and caring, Nicole is no ordinary soul. Her dedication to helping everyone has no limit. Witness the power of positivity. Tune in every first and third Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific for Positivity Party Radio with Nicole Eisler on Transformation Talk Radio. For more information, visit BigDreamAwakening.com. Would you like to experience life-transforming adventures in personal expansion and world service? If you do... 
Tune in to learn about magical innate abilities that you can develop and use to make your dreams come true. Joy Elaine is author of The Joy Chronicles, and she's inviting you and millions of others to join her in working with galactic masters, angels, and the Ashtar Command as they assist humanity and planet Earth to achieve their ultimate destination of ascension. For more information about this upcoming event and broadcast, visit joyelaine.com. That's joy, E-L-A-I-N-E, dot com. Tune in to The Michael Shane Show, the third Tuesday of each month at 11 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com and connect with the ascended beings to raise your vibration and manifest the life you desire. Get ready to receive healing through the transphysical mediumship of Reverend Michael Shane and the ascended beings. Visit MichaelShane.com. That's M-Y-C-H-A-E-L, Shane.com, and call 425-971-6632 to schedule your full healing session now. Hey everyone, this is Dr. Pat. I am so thrilled. I've had the honor of working with Leslie Fontaine for the past year or so. And what she has created in her hit program, Sheer Alchemy, transcends what most of us get to listen to or hear in any point in time in our lives. But beyond that, Leslie is working with people all over the world and she has created something phenomenal based on the feedback and input from the Archangels, from the Ascended Masters, from the light beings, and most importantly, from each and every one of you. So if you want to change your life, if you're ready to step into your own version of Sheer Alchemy, please give Leslie a call at 678-665-3366. And why? Because this is what you're going to be prepared to do. Be amazed and on your part, connect with the Ascended Masters that are there to help you custom make the life that you are meant to live. Hey, everybody, welcome back. Uh, this is a really, really important conversation. You know, I do believe having seen this firsthand and, uh, and, and, and really for many of us, you know, because we have what some people consider to be quirkiness about us, it leads down a path, especially if you're children, where your parents don't quite get it, but they want you to conform. And sometimes it's just not you. But today we're going to hear from somebody that knows exactly what this is about and is on a mission, a mission to educate and inform. Why? Because the trauma of being misunderstood, if you walk down the path of OCD for yourself, that compounds the fact that you might be doing things a little different. Now, what do you have? You're living in a world where you're completely misunderstood. But what can we learn? Before we jump ahead, talk more about the book, would you mind, Kristen, would you please give out, how can people get a copy of the book, number one, and then how can they find out more about you? 
Well, to get a copy of the book, Leaving the OCD Circus, it's mm-hmm. available on Barnes & Noble shelves now, as well as mm-hmm. their website, and Amazon.com and local bookstores. And if they don't have it yet, I invite you to ask them to bring it on in. To find out more about me and about my story and a little more mm-hmm. about the book, you can go to my website, which is leavingtheocdcircus.com. Okay. We were talking during the break and also before uh, we went to break, we were talking about what it's like, you know, what it's like for the OCD sufferer. And I was really, really clear. And I gave you some examples in my family of what I was able to observe, um, which never made sense to me. And I shared something about, you, you know, a cousin and my brother, as a matter of fact, you know, sometimes people uh, have, have something that they just prefer. That's not OCD. That's different. But my nephew, not wanting the mashed potatoes to touch the meat, the meat to touch the beans, and please do not put gravy on this, was really quite different. Yet, I will tell you how absolutely uneducated the family was. I would love for you to educate us now. Well, one thing about OCD is that it's just as real as, let's say, a broken arm. However, if you look at someone with a broken arm and a sling and a cast, it's very easy to right away say, oh, they have a broken arm, and you accept that. With OCD, it's something that's going on in a person's mind, and so it's just as real of a break. It's just not as visible. And sometimes it does show up in these very odd, strange behaviors, like people wanting to keep uh, various foods separated from one another. And that's just the tip of the iceberg of all the different things and all the different controls you try to put in place to satisfy your OCD. Mm. You know, what was it like or what is it like for the OCD sufferer? I would love to talk about that for a moment because I think that's the the first place I believe it's important to start is what is it like to walk in, in, in those shoes? Well, what it's like for me when I was nine years old, my OCD crept in and kind of showed itself as a friend. I would do tapping games and counting games, and I had a very chaotic childhood, and it almost gave me a sense of order and control. But with OCD, one foot in the door, and that was it. So for 22 years, I was pretty much the puppet, and the OCD disorder uh, was the puppeteer. I wrote the book, Leaving the OCD Circus, and people have asked me, why a circus? Why that metaphor? And it's not the circus that's a good time and fun. It's, it's on the contrary. It's the dark, hellish cir- uh, circus that you're caught in and you're trapped and you can't find the door, and you're by yourself and isolated, and it's very scary and terrorizing. Another metaphor that I use is OCD is like a prison, and in this prison, we find ourselves very isolated, and we would like nothing more than freedom. And in my book, Leaving the OCD Circus, I share with you in memoir format my different situations with OCD and the stories to be told. However, at the middle point,
point of the book, it really turns into a self-help book that's written from the street level because I've been with many doctors and I've read many books and I've distilled down the information so people that are in their OCD prison, their OCD circus, can whittle their own key and get out to their big, happy, joyous life much, much faster than I was able to get to mine. Mm. Was there a tipping point for you? And what I mean by that was there a point where um, something shifted in you, uh, either a new level of awareness or something? Was there, there an event that you could point to? Well, unfortunately, with people that have OCD, they try to manage by themselves and just mm-hmm. kind of hold on tightly. And what frequently brings people into the doctor's office is a complete mental collapse. And that's what happened to me. I just tried to keep everything uh, tight, and I tried to keep myself functioning until I literally had a breakdown and could not move on. And all of the quote-unquote normal moments um, that people get to experience in their life, my OCD was one thing after the next after the next with absolutely no break in the action. And when that happens to you, you do collapse because it's so devastating and you can't go on. And what I'm offering and what I'd like to share with people is that you don't have to wait until it gets that bad. You can get information right now. You can start educating yourself. It doesn't need to get to the point that there's no more normal seconds left. You can start looking into OCD actually right away and start getting educated and understanding if you are dealing with OCD, what it is about. And if you're trying to understand a loved one who's suffering from OCD, education is really one of the first tickets on your way out to a happier life. You know, I was reading the book and I was really struck by um, some of the teenage years you talked about. And I, I remember reading uh, even misdiagnosis, like maybe being misdiagnosed with a, an eating disorder. Um, and I'd love for you to talk about that because this idea of misdiagnosis is, is that's not an anomaly. That's quite common, isn't it? It is very uncommon, and during high school years, I knew that I was terribly troubled, Uh and I knew something was going on with me um, that I didn't understand. It was kind of my private um, hellish world servicing um, the authority figure in my own mind, which was uh, OCD. And I would go to the library, and I would try to get a better understanding and find a name for what I was dealing with. And I would look up schizophrenia, and I'd look up bipolar disorder and manic depression. And unfortunately, I never came across OCD. Um, And I always could relate to the different things that I would read about, but nothing really felt like the, uh, the shoe that was the perfect fit. And so I was trying to diagnose myself and had a very difficult time doing that. And the sense that OCD is mercurial in nature and does show up in different ways at different times in people's lives, it does kind of have that very elusive element that's hard to get your arms around. So doctors may try and family members may try and the person suffering may try. Um, And oftentimes it does take a couple of diagnoses to get the shoe to fit and to get OCD to be the answer. Mm. I can only imagine how painful this is 
I mean, I shared with you uh, during the break that, you know, when you watch your nephew uh, being completely disregarded, you know, the fact that, you know, this is exactly what, you know, he wanted to, to do uh, to to eat. This is the way he wanted to eat and just absolutely could not get anyone to pay attention to that. How often uh, are folks uh, that are, are have OCD, how often is that considered uh, just bad behavior? I mean, and what I mean by that, especially not just the only as children, but as adults, where, you know, you're looked at by being non-conforming, you're looked at by being, you know, someone that is just not going to do what the parents want them to do. Well, I think when you look at uh, the behaviors of someone with OCD, for instance, when I was a child, I kept my room very clean, absolutely no dust, nothing out of place. All my Mm. little uh, socks in the drawer were folded just the right way, in the right color order, and my life was very tight and confining. But on the outside, I looked like, wow, what a great kid. Look at how clean she keeps her room. And it almost looks like it's something that you would want kids to achieve. But what wasn't realized was the personal hell that I was in servicing my OCD because it wasn't just a matter of I liked my room clean. It was absolutely had to have my room clean. And if my room was not clean, I could not move on. I was immobilized and frozen. And so we get very tight about our behavior, and learning about OCD loosens up some of the constraints that press down on you so hard. And eventually, with exposure therapy, I would hope that your nephew would be able to take all the food on his plate and, plate and, and mix it all up. Mm-hmm. Um, but that might be a while, a while down the road. But you start to have more freedom the more you discover what OCD is and the more you're able to challenge it in a healthy way. Uh, Let's talk about the book for a minute, because it's one thing to have a powerful message, uh, such as you do, and taking it out in the world. Uh, It's another thing to say, wait a minute, I'm going to share my own personal story, uh, and I'm going to, you know, really shine a light on this. And many people would say to you, perhaps, why would you want to do that? Why would you want to feel so exposed? But you're on a mission. Tell us what the mission is. Oh, my gosh. So much of a mission. I suffered so greatly for more than 20 years. Mm -hmm. And it was the kind of suffering, truly, that you would not wish on, let's say, your worst enemy. And um, when I started to get better and I started to get healthy, and find ways to maneuver myself out of my um, constriction, I started to believe I had value to share with other people. And for instance, when I was doing much better and, and much healthier and living a more balanced life, I knew there were all those prisoners left behind. And even though I was moving forward, I knew all the people that weren't. And I said, hey, this isn't the person I am to just skip on to my big happy life. I have to go back. I have to share what I know with other sufferers and those that love them so they too get an opportunity to whittle their key out of their prison and get on to their big happy life. And so that's the mission. It's to stop needless suffering and help people get to the joy that should be theirs that's available to all of us. 
Wow. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about what does this mean in the world to become aware. And uh, we're going to get some tips here today because there are tips. There are things that we could do. And how do you, someone that is diagnosed with OCD, how do you build up your self-esteem? Because believe me, self-esteem is just one of the things that gets put on the chopping block. We'll be right back. Are you ready for a game changer? Sarah Westall is bringing you Business Game Changers Radio. Sarah brings you leading experts, visionaries, and newsmakers who provide the best commentary on big issues and cutting-edge innovations. Sarah's 20 years as a business executive will help you think like an entrepreneur with expertise, energy, and attitude. Tune in to Business Game Changers Mondays at noon Pacific, 3 Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Have you ever wanted to learn about the colors of your chakras? Well, now's your chance. Lynn Brown, host of Get Into It, is hosting an event Friday, November 4th from 7 to 8.30 p.m. in Mount Vernon. Every person will get a reading on the most prominent color in their aura. Join Lynn Brown November 4th at the Riverwalk Studio in Mount Vernon. To register for this event, call 360-588-4713. That's 360-588-4713. What is a brilliant culture? And how do we create them? Why are they important? Claudette Rowley has created a breakthrough five-step process to help you design a culture that is authentic, innovative, and successful. Learn how to create change with Cultural Brilliance Radio, the DNA of organizational excellence and Claudette Rowley. To learn more or work with Claudette, visit ClaudetteRowley.com. Have you been seeing numbers like 111 and 222 everywhere you go? Do you feel that the universe may be trying to get your attention, perhaps offering a message of some sort? As it turns out, numerical patterns and certain types of geometry form the very fabric of our reality, from cells under a microscope to the astronomy of our night sky. At Stellar Reflections, we offer special sessions which tap into these patterns, designed specifically to support you on your journey. The 111 and 222 activations are sessions activating new patterns in your energy field, which in turn can help you create new patterns in your life. After just one session with a practitioner, either in person or via distance, clients report gaining greater clarity, becoming more intuitive, and honoring their inner truth as they move forward in their lives. Curious about what these transformational sessions might do for you? Call 425-999-9836 or visit StellarReflections.com. That's StellarReflections.com. Do you want to achieve your goals? Do you want to strengthen relationships with others? Do you want to improve your financial status? Colette Marie Steffen is partnering with Mark Kettenbach to bring you an energetic upgrade online experience. Unfold and develop your full potential. Visit energeticupgrade.com today for more information. That's energeticupgrade.com.
everybody. Welcome back. Very important conversation. As a matter of fact, Benny, uh, let's give a copy of the book away to our first caller. Uh, but before we do, uh, Kirsten, would you mind taking a moment again, telling people where they can get a copy of the book and where they can find out more about you? Because there's so much involved with this and it's through your story and what you're willing to share that perhaps folks can get some relief here. Go ahead, please. Absolutely. The title of the book is Leaving the OCD Circus. It's available on shelves now, such as Barnes & Noble and your local bookstores. It's also available on Amazon.com. And to learn more about um, myself, a little more background on my story and so forth, you can always go to my website, which is leavingtheocdcircus.com. Awesome. Um, now, 1-800-930-2819. We'd love to give a copy of the book away because there are so many things you share in here. And during the break, you know, you and I were chatting for a little bit. Uh, and what I was saying was, you know, growing up, each of us have had certain events. I love the sound of a ping pong ball. You know, the other thing that I did constantly, which was so annoying for my parents, was tapping. I would tap pencils. I would go to school and tap pencils. And, you know, the last thing was rocking. I love to rock. And it didn't matter. And so when you're growing up as a kid, you've got these things going on. People don't know what to do with them. And right away, it was another trip to Dr. Jacoby. What can we learn from your journey, from this book, to help us understand better one, how to figure out what's going on, and how to get some relief. Well, I think um, to understand OCD better, there's various ways that you can recognize it when it comes to the door. And the main idea is to not let it in. So becoming Mm. kind of a super scout at recognizing OCD when it shows up is one of the best ways to stop it from interfering and taking over your minutes, your hours, your days, your weeks, your months, in my case, my years. So that recognition is really key. And when you have that ability, you get the moment to pause before you're just sucked into whatever the next OCD compulsion is going to be. So recognition is is key. And I do have several pages in the book talking about recognizing OCD when it's at the door so it doesn't bully its way in and quite frankly mental bully you Mm. Mm. what have you discovered now since you've written the book what have you discovered what What have people come up and said to you you know when you write a book such as the book that you've written where you're clearly letting the world know hey wait a minute you know, this is what's going on, but this doesn't mean that I'm damaged. You remember before the break, I said, you know, this gets a double or maybe even triple hit. You know, the double hit is it affects somebody's self-esteem severely. And I wanted to, to find out from you, as you've been out there in the world sharing this, what have people said to you? What, what have parents maybe or individuals said? about you bringing this message to the forefront? Well, the thing that's interesting is that 
the um, the amount of people that have OCD is mm. supposedly one out of every hundred adults and one out of every two hundred children. Yet, what I've found is that when I'm speaking with people about my book or sharing my book in any way, someone always has a connection to either OCD themselves or to someone that's in their inner circle. And so I think the numbers might be much greater than we think they are for people that really do struggle with this disorder. And Dr. Pat, going back to uh, Mm -hmm. talking about how it kind of clobbers your self-esteem, I want to say with OCD that's so true, and it's also nicknamed the doubting disease because Mm -hmm. you doubt yourself and you doubt your actions, and your OCD is always saying, well, what if? your hands aren't clean enough, and what if the door isn't locked? And you really doubt your own behavior. And when you are doubting your own behavior, that can really seep in quite quickly and make you doubt yourself on many, many different platforms. I was so struck by reading about uh, your first encounter and the way that you described it. You know, this idea of 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 have hearing 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 a voice or hearing something say to you, want to play, uh, want to play a fun game. Uh, You know, and this stranger, as you refer, capital S, uh, said something like, yes, you want to play a fun game. And it's a dialogue. The game is tapping. And if you play it perfectly, you get the prize. Wow. I mean, that right there, that that very specific instruction and your willingness as a nine-year-old to engage in it had to be so, what I want to say is, so absolutely engaging. Yet, as you share how this went on, so capturing of who you were, not enabling you to do much else. Can you talk about that stranger? Sure. And I also want to make sure I mention um, OCD math and um, what Mm -hmm. that is and how that plays out as well. But with OCD, if you consider it an abuser, like any kind of abusive relationship, usually on day one, all the abuse isn't taking place because you'd say, whoa, wait a second, you're out of line. I don't deserve this. Um, But oftentimes what happens in an abusive or bullying relationship is they kind of wiggle their way in and kind of get your buy-in to the relationship. And with OCD, it was, hey, do you want to play a fun game? We'll do tapping. We'll do counting. And for me, it was very melodic and it was soothing, like rocking myself in a chair. And so Mm -hmm. I saw that it was actually fun and kind of interesting and got my mind off of my my present, you know, chaotic life that I had. So OCD found its way in the door and then just kept muscling and muscling its way in until I started to respond to OCD as though it was a military sergeant commanding me. And I had to hop to attention and do exactly as OCD dictated. So that friend, 
friend really became an enemy, and for me it happened gradually over a period of time until I was so deep in the woods I could not find my way out. At least mm. I didn't think that I could. And the, the miracle is that I did, and if I was able to do it, and I was able to come from the very you know depths of my darkest depression to bright sunny days, that that is available for other people as well. Mm. Let's talk about what is available for, for people, because clearly you're here today. You're the author of a fabulous book. You and I are having an amazing conversation, sharing this message with the world. And I would love to hear from you what you discovered on the way to being here today with me, because clearly you have learned some things that have helped you. There are many people that have not and are still suffering. That's very true. And two of the things that I definitely discovered, and I believe this for everybody, is that we are stronger than we may think we are. And abusers, such as my mental bully, which was OCD, wanted me to believe that I was weak and it was strong. And that is not the way that it is. That's not reality. I'm actually stronger than my OCD, and I'm actually bigger than my OCD. However, OCD doesn't want you to know that because OCD wants to stay in control. And so that's one of the things that you start to recognize, and you say, wait a second, there's things I can do to puff up my chest and stand up to this, you know, unrelenting abuser and find some joy in my life and really get yourself out of the confines of this condition. And there is a way out and there is an opportunity for people to get to a much more joyous and happy life. Okay, let's talk about joyous and happy life, because I think for people that might be listening to this uh, or thinking, how do you go from that? How do you go from suffering on a daily basis? And let's just talk about that for a minute, because we didn't really uh, we didn't really say that, that in fact, this is not something that, you know, happens once in a blue moon. And we didn't really talk about that. How often, how often is somebody that's suffering from OCD, how often are you faced with this on a regular basis? Well, for me, after um, 20 years of undiagnosed OCD, there basically were no more normal seconds left. There was Mm. no more time where I wasn't left alone. I was completely badgered into a corner every Mm. second of every day. And that maddening process is what really made me crumble and not able to move forward. And people don't have to wait until it gets extreme. If you Mm -hmm. do have normal moments now, and when I say that, that's just moments of, of being able to be present and being able to be available to yourself and other people. And that is something that we all deserve and something that OCD tries to take away from us. So you really want to fight for your life and you want to put that mental bully down so you can step out and away from this torturing operation that takes place. And another way that OCD is so insidious is that with OCD, 
it's kind of a math. It's if you do this, you'll get this. And so it's very much on a reward and punishment system. So if you clean your room, you will be perfect. And if you are perfect, you will be loved. And you buy into this math. If I do X, I'll get Y. If I do X, I'll get Y. And that Y keeps on being like an elusive bullseye that you keep chasing after. You just want to be okay. You just want to breathe easy. You just want to be one of those people that can take it easy and go with the flow and you know that you're not. And you struggle because more than anything, the people that are suffering from OCD, however it shows up in your life, we all want the same peace. We all want the same peace of mind. And we do such crazy things trying to get there. Oh, you know, in the acknowledgments of the book, uh, you you acknowledge a, a number of different people. Um, and I want to stop for a minute and talk about that if we could. And as a matter of fact, Benny, maybe we would just skip this break. Um, the reason that I want to stop and, 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 and just back up a little bit and acknowledge this is that, you know, you're on what some people would say the other side. But you got some help to get here. I'd love for you to share what it is you've learned and how have these these folks that you acknowledge so beautifully in the book, how did they help get you there? Does that make sense? It sure does. And I was very lucky and fortunate to find an OCD specialist in my area when I was living out west. And this man was very generous very kind, and he gave me the feeling that he would sit with me all night if that's what I needed. And just coming out of the closet and taking the, it's called the Y-Box test, I think you can find it online, actually, and it kind of shows you, you know, how deep in the woods with OCD are you, and um, it showed that I was I was severely um, suffering. And his understanding, and just saying the words, Kirsten, OCD Mm. is a medical condition, and it's not your fault. It was like so much pressure got lifted off my shoulders, and I was able to cry deep, deep tears from 10, 20 years of pain of finally getting to the moment where I saw, you know what, freedom might just be available, and I'm going to have to fight like the Dickens to get there. But I was determined not to have OCD take away any more of my life. I was determined to get my life back. And I believe that I have, and I'm really on a mission to help other people get their life back. Just like people that were there for me, I'm there for others now. And rather than being on the suffering side, I'm on the helping side. And I think so many people that have gone through terrible tragedy or suffering, they really do get on the helping side because they know what people are going through and they want nothing more than a wonderful life for everybody. What are some of the tips? What are some of the things that you've learned along the way? I think we all have tips that, you know, we've accumulated. Uh, and, and, you know, for the most part, we don't think to share them because we think, oh, okay, I'm just going to do this. Oh, wait, I'm going to do that. Oh, no, I'm going to do this. Oh, wait, I'm going to do that. But you've learned some very specific things that I think it would be great if we could share some of those with the audience. Sure. Some of the things, I like to call it my uh, wellness path, Dr. Pat, and that is that I try to do things 
that help encourage me to stay on my wellness path. And because OCD is the doubting disease and you you start doubting your actions and your thoughts and so forth, one of the things that really combats that is being able to be present, being able to be in the moment, and being able to say no thank you to a runaway mind. And being able to say, I'm bigger and I'm stronger than my OCD, I'm on the path of wellness, and I'm going to do those things that encourage that. And getting swept away by OCD and if this, then that kind of thinking, no thank you. I want to be happy now, not it's contingent upon something else. I have only right now, and it's available to me as it is available to everybody else. So just kind of getting your feet firmly planted, getting your mind to not run away with itself, and being able to be the one in the driver's seat of your own life, that's empowering. And that's what this book is all about, is helping people become empowered to get to much better days and a much better life for themselves. Mm. I want to ask you about retro-a-go-go, if I could. Sure. Uh, it's in the book. You acknowledge it. And, you know, for whatever reason, I, I wanted to know more because, you know, there are many of us that have had to write acknowledgments, not had to, but we've had the pleasure of writing acknowledgments in publications and books. And there are just so many people that have contributed to us being here. And I get a sense when you say, I got to give a shout out. I love that you said, I think, I hope I'm not misquoting you, by the way. Uh, But can we talk about that? Because this was a family of people, so to speak, you know, really a village that were there to support you. Absolutely. And there's something that happened quite, um, when I was quite young in development, and it was um, out on the West Coast, and it was a very hot day. And I was very thirsty, but I didn't even stand three feet tall. And my family was down by the water, and I was by the fountain. And this perfect stranger saw that I was in need of a drink and said, Would you like me to pick you up and bring you to the fountain? And I said, Yes. And it was a beautiful thing, and I got the water that I needed. And I don't know who that man was, but he was there in a moment of need. And when we're there for each other in a moment of need, we're the people that up other people to their fountains and the like. And with my business, Retro Agogo, there are many people that have helped the business reach the fountain and have all the health and well-being that it does. And that's a a wonderful staff and wonderful people that enjoy the products. And to give you a little history of Retro-A-Go-Go, I have been collecting with my husband vintage ephemera for many years. And it was my way to kind of repurpose this lost art that was sitting in some of our flat files. And I thought, boy, wouldn't it be great to bring all this wonderful artwork and advertisements of yesteryear into the contemporary world in fun and functional ways. So they're really products that make people feel good, that either remind them of an era bygone or remind them of ways that they would like things to be. And um, we have access to to wonderful art archives. And um, I think 
you know, words are wonderful, and I think pictures are, are also very expressive. And in my book, I do share some of my vintage ephemera in picture format because I want to speak to the reader multidimensionally, more than just words, but also with pictures and poetry. So art has always been a big aspect of my life. And Retro Agogo, my business, is definitely a reflection of exactly that passion. And the reason I brought it up is because uh, so often, you know, we we are, uh, it's really a little bit insane for me when I think about what's happening these days and how we're diagnosing young people or misdiagnosing them. But one of the things I'm finding, and maybe you can talk about this, is that Whatever it is that you want to categorize, whether it's OCD, whether it's ADD, there's a common thread that seems to pop up. And I know that for myself. And it's art, either art or art and music, right? But it may not be the traditional way we look at art. How healing has that been for you? It has been incredibly healing because... Oftentimes, for instance, when I was suffering so greatly, I would see a picture that somebody drew or a painting that said, hey, girl, this is what freedom looks like. This is Mm. what you're going for. And so it gave me an idea of what it would look like on the other side. I also would find great postcards that really represented my anxiety. And so beyond just sharing with people anxious feelings in these pictures, they communicate so much. And I, I would be quite certain that some of the artwork that I share in the book, the people that created the artwork, must have suffered from OCD because in such a wonderful way they capture all those emotions. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, uh, it's it's not just art the way we think. You know, sometimes we'll see something very creative happen. For example, maybe these beautiful goddess heads made out of styrofoam and appetizer forks, but somehow they become these pieces of art. Um, I want to ask you, how important is the word acceptance in the work you do? Acceptance is um, very important because I have learned to accept myself, lumps, Mm -hmm. bumps, and all. And although, sure, I'm working on things and I'm a work in progress, I'm not a finished, baked, and decorated cake. I'm (laughs) just on my way to getting to a better place. And I've learned a lot on my journey And I would like to share with other people how they can get to great development, great strides in their own health and well-being. You know, I want to thank you, first of all, for being you. I really want to thank you for being you and letting the world get to know you. Um, I also want to thank you for stepping out and bringing a story of courage, inspiration, and hope to the forefront today because we are really in a world right now where people are so struggling, uh, especially our young people, and the answers have been a pill, potion, and lotion. And I think lastly, what I'd like to say is that you represent for so many, and at least for me, you represent the world of unlimited possibilities. And it's really an honor and a pleasure to have you on the show. And I want to thank you very, very much for coming to the forefront, uh, not giving in, and having incredibly beautiful, positive persistence. 
So thank you so much for all of that. And please, one more time, let folks know how they can get a copy of the book and how they can find out more about you. And Dr. Pat, you're right. The book is about hope and about faith, and it starts with where you are right now and wherever you are in OCD. This is exactly where the book greets you. The name of the book is Leaving the OCD Circus. It's available online at Barnes & Noble and Amazon and also IndieBound, and it's available on bookshelves everywhere. And if it's not at your local bookstore, please invite them to bring it on in. You can also learn more about me and a little bit of my history and a little bit more about OCD at my website, which is Leaving the OCD Circus, and I truly hope to see you there. I love it. Um, I want to thank all of you for tuning us in, turning us on. We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. But most importantly, this is a book and a message that Kirsten has put together for all of y'all to share. You reach out to somebody out there that may need a lift up. Reach out to somebody that may need a level of understanding and reach out with love. We'll be right back. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.